Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Hope you had a good week. As Elizabeth Taylor said to one of her nine husbands, I won't keep you long. Okay. Really, really honored to have you here. Uh, some of, how many of you are visiting? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Okay, look around, guys. Make sure everybody feels welcome. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Bert Wimberly from uh, Kerrville to bring in a bunch of his guys down. Bert, right here, Pastor Bert. And then where are the guys? Uh, here? Where? Oh, right back here. Here's our Kerrville boys. So say hello. Somebody near you knows something you don't know. Somebody near you has something you need. Somebody near you knows somebody who can open a door for a particular need you have. That's the power of connection, of network. I've had doors open for me I could not open for myself, but knowing someone who could made all the difference. So don't just blow it off, make connections because every need you have is already supplied if you just knew who was next to you and what door could be opened. So that's the point. Two are better than, than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. So before you rush out, you know, shake hands, uh, find out where people are from, what they do. It might just be something that is advice or wisdom that could help you. I, I never take that for granted. I, my whole life's been enriched by what somebody else knew or what somebody else could do that helped solve a problem I had. And so thanks again, Bert and your guys, and thanks to the rest of you for showing up for breakfast this day. Uh, I, I, love, I love this quote, only those who dare to fail greatly can achieve greatly. In other words, no guts, no glory. Now, to think that you and I can succeed at anything without risk is totally insane. I think we con ourselves into believing that if we make enough money, if we live in a certain neighborhood, if we send our children to certain schools, then we are safe from risk. I think now we know we ain't safe anywhere, any school, any neighborhood any person is vulnerable, but no one is free from risk. Bad things still happen to good people. Pastors still get flat tires. Pastors still have one of the children go wacko. We are not immune, no matter what our calling or what our position in life is, from something that's negative or bad. And that's true for all of us. So, Nobody's free from risk. And those who only consider taking maybe the safe route to the mountaintop never reach the summit. Now, that's true in business. That's also true in relationships. I'm kind of amazed, talking to my wife the other day, of how many young adult men are afraid to express their interest or affection to another person because they're afraid of rejection. They have more fear of being turned down than being turned on. I want to say, go for it, son. Ask. 
and you shall receive. And keep asking, yeah, but I don't think she'll go out with me. Well, all she could say is no, and you already got no going for you. Give it a shot. How many would agree with me? Yeah. So, you know, pretty girls marry ugly guys because they asked them. I mean, at the end of the day, ask. So, no guts, no glory. Most women like confidence in a man. Somebody who's confident in who he is, enough to risk failure in the hope of love. The no guts, no glory principle aspires to sports as well, investing in business, and probably every aspect of life, especially your spiritual life. If we're going to grow spiritually, you have to take some risk. You have to learn to walk by faith and not always by sight. The African impala can jump over 10 feet high and cover a distance greater than 30 feet. Yet those magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo with a simple three-foot wall. The animal will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will land. And a lot of humans are like that. They're afraid to take a risk if they cannot see where they're going to land or how things will turn out, they won't move forward. Well, faith is not foolish risk, but there's a gamble. There is a risk involved. I could fail. It might not work, but you won't grow without it. So you have to enter into the arena of the unknown and trust that God will lead you to where you need to be. Now, that's hard. It was hard for the people of the Bible, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's hard for us today. Let me look at one of the great risk and reward stories in the Bible, and that would have to be old Mose, Moses leading the children of Israel out of slavery into the promised land. So God, we know, real review, sent 10 plagues on Egypt to kind of persuade Pharaoh to let Israel go. He turned water to blood. He sent frogs and gnats and flies and boils and hail and locusts and thick darkness. Sounds like summer in San Antonio. <laughs> Last of all, God sent the angel of death to kill the firstborn of the Egyptians. So Pharaoh finally set Israel free. But a few days later, he changed his mind and he chased the Israelites to the Red Sea. Now there God drowned Pharaoh's army. I've often wondered on TV how they prove that the Sea of Reeds was only eight inches deep. How would you drown the whole freaking army in a foot of water? They don't even, anything to blow away a, a myth of miraculous intervention by God seems to always upset uh, the intellectual of our, of our world. But Moses, Moses, oh God, what a job this guy had, uh, and none of it was easy. So now the people of Israel are free, and after everything God did for them, delivering them from all this mess he sent, then they start to murmur against Moses. So no plan had been made for feeding all these people, and there certainly wasn't any food out in the desert. So the people complained. They said, oh, that we were back in Egypt and the Lord had killed us there. And I'm sure Moses was wishing he had, every one of them. For there we had plenty to eat. So the risk the people faced in the wilderness 
was really just overwhelming to them. And rather than face the risk of hunger, they preferred the guarantees of slavery to the uncertainties of freedom. So when given a choice, I find this interesting, when given a choice, most people will choose the predictable bad over an uncertain potential good. And that's as true today as 3,500 years ago. People will prefer the hell of the predictable to the uncertainty of the future. They don't like it. It might not be what they want, but they're not going to give it up for something better for fear it might be worse. So they just stay imprisoned wherever they happen to be in life. For example, it takes a battered wife an average of eight tries before she finally leaves her abusive husband. She'll leave him, but she'll go back eight times before she finally leaves for good. And even when she knows the marriage is over, her husband is dangerously out of control, the anxiety of an unpredictable future is just too much, and some women never make it. They're killed before they muster the courage to face the unpredictability of an uncertain future. So most people in America prefer risk avoidance. Security is more valued than freedom, and so their fear of failure is more profound than their hope for success. I think God would tell every man, I want you to take a chance, a risk on me. Not a foolish risk, but a calculated risk. He wants us to risk it all for his glory and for the sake of others. When Moses led Israel into the wilderness, he had no idea how God was going to feed them. God hadn't told him that. He just told him to get the people out. But God told him to do it, so he figured God would take care of the details. I would say for many people in here, Bert, that would include you as well, everything Summit has or has accomplished is because we trusted God and we took a chance. We took a chance. I didn't get here because I had a wonderful invitation, a great uh, program for retirement and salary. We just loaded a U-Haul. We took a chance, drove into town, and didn't know where we would live, had no guaranteed salary, and we took a chance because we believed God was overwhelmingly leading us to do it. But I was never unaware of the potential for failure. Totally prepared for it. If this doesn't work out, we're out of here but we'll give it a go. And it took me three years to say, I'm going to go for it. What was I afraid of? The uncertainty. Like, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Ah, this, this is not my interest. I want to just be a fighter pilot or import, export, and have a condo in Monte Carlo. Oh, come on. Have you ever had a dream of what you'd like to do? I'm okay. I'm just being totally honest. I mean, shoot. You know, oh, God, don't do this to me. You know, I love you. I love you. I'll, I want to give to you. And if you'll leave me alone, I'll make a lot of money and I'll be able to really help the kingdom. And it didn't work out. Okay. It didn't work out. And I finally said yes and took the risk. And then you forget the devil. Then your wife is asking, well, how are we going to live? And how much are we going to make? And wh how much can we spend for rent? And I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I said, we'll just play it by ear and do the best we can and trust God. But when what little money I have runs out, 
we're out of here. And I actually was hoping it'd run out because then I could leave with a clear conscience and go back to what I was doing. But again, that didn't work out. So we've made the decision time and time again to take a chance on God, and it's paid off in lives changed, marriages healed, marriages restored, people saved, people meeting and marrying and enduring friendships. That's a great thing. My best friends are because we took a chance and came. But it would never happen if we hadn't taken a chance on God. So like I said, no guts, no glory. The promised land, your future, your destiny, is not a risk-free land. The promised land is where all of us have to learn to trust God through all the risks and challenges that we're going to face. And honestly, I would rather take the risk of doing something great with God and fail than playing it safe and doing nothing. Just gag me. I'd rather try laying on that couch in Savannah, Georgia. I remember thinking, I cannot live with myself wondering, what if? What if I'd started that business? What if I had changed jobs? What if I had uh, started this church? What if I had done it? What would be the outcome? And I couldn't stand it. I thought, I got to find out. So I'm going to go for it. And I felt like God loved me enough to protect me and help me even if it was a total failure. Though the righteous man fall seven times, God will uphold him. Go for it. Go for that dream. Don't wait till you're too old to do anything. Go for it now. So I didn't want to play it safe. Let me give you three simple principles on taking risks. That's it. Just three. Number one, real security is nearness to God not distance from danger. Real security is nearness to God, not distance from danger. And let me say, taking a risk that we're talking about is not the same as being irresponsible. Being irresponsible is taking chances without preparation and making specific plans for success. Risk without readiness is foolishness. The security industry has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Everything from alarm systems to our homes, mace for ladies' purses, security guards for your neighborhood, your church, all to try to give us a sense of security. And yet we still feel threatened. And even with the wealth of the United States, how many of you actually feel financially secure? See, remember, real security doesn't come through distance from danger, but from closeness to God. When the children of Israel complained to Moses about not having any food in the wilderness, Moses didn't distance himself from the danger. He turned to God in prayer. He never considered leading the people back to slavery in Egypt. Instead, he approached God and allowed God to draw near to him. And here's what God said. Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. So God doesn't promise any of us a risk-free life and no danger. But he does promise to provide for our needs. God says, I will secure your life. He has our best interest at heart. His plans for me are good and not evil to give me a hope and a future. I live on that. I bank on that in the darkest of times. 
See, and when we obey his leadership, he promises to secure our lives with whatever we need. So we, we understand Jesus Christ is not safe. He's good, but he isn't safe. And he won't lead us down an easy street. What does scripture say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So when you follow Jesus, you're in for an adventure and challenge of your life. There are going to be times you're called to risk everything. But if following Jesus isn't safe, it's also true he's very good. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. And I felt like that, and I imagine some of you have, or you should, that on your worst day, whether it's with your children or your marriage or your finance or your job or whatever it may be, I still know he's there. It didn't catch him by surprise. It caught me, but it didn't catch him by surprise. And the one thing he does promise is I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't care who walks out on you, whether it's a spouse or whether it's an employer. God says, I won't leave you. That's good to know. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. I won't leave you, God says. I love that. I've got children too, and I've got grandchildren. But I'm telling you, on their worst day, I'm not leaving them. They're my kids. And you belong to God, and he's not ever going to leave you. Principle number two on taking risks. Sometimes you have to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. The person who succeeds in business is not the person doing what everybody else is doing. Success comes to the person willing to take a chance on something better than what everybody else is doing. Ray Kroc, at age 57, 1950 was a milkshake mixer salesman from Chicago, Illinois. And one day he received an order from a small restaurant in San Bernardino, California. I've been there for six milkshake mixers. Who would know world history is about to take place over a stupid milkshake mixer? Come on, even you didn't figure that out, guys. Ray was intrigued. So he wanted to know what kind of a little restaurant would do so well they needed six milkshake mixers. So he drove to San Bernardino, California to visit the place. He was totally amazed. And he was so impressed with this fast food business run by the McDonald brothers, he scraped together every dime over the ensuing years and bought a share in the business. It was called McDonald's. And the rest is billions and billions of dollars worth of history. In fact, if you owned 1% of the company, you would be making $100 million every year. 1%. The McDonald brothers couldn't see it, didn't want to take the risk. And Ray found it irritating to work with them. So he, over time, got the money and bought them out. Kind of interesting. You can't go anywhere. There's not a McDonald's. So Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all started with virtually nothing. I've got a picture of Bezos in his garage, his first office, and selling books. You can't get a day go by. You don't see an Amazon truck on your street or on these streets. Is that right? 
and now you get everything every day from Amazon coming right to your door. And Jeff took a risk. He had no silver spoon in his mouth. He had an idea and he went for it. Elon Musk started PayPal with his college roommate and made billions. And from there, he had other ideas. They said, the electric car won't work. He said, I'm gonna make one. Now every manufacturer makes an electric car. I'm driving one. And I'm telling you, all of them were hated, damned, and put down in criticism by the industry because it was a change to the way things are done. That's gonna be part of the price you pay to be an innovator or to go for some idea my father told me, uh, I remember him saying to me when I said, I'm going to leave business and I'm going to go in the ministry. He said, that is the worst decision of your life. <laughs> I actually agreed with him. I thought, I thought, I think you're right, dad, on this one. I never, never liked my dad and never agreed with him much, but I thought he was pretty spot on with that. But he did, when he finally was in his 80s, say to me that, he was wrong and that he was proud of me. So it was a nice finish to his life. So you think about these people, they took a risk to change history. You know, I, I, I've shared this with a lot of people, but as a traveling minister to conferences around the world, we had to take briefcases and briefcases, you had to put your messages in there and it's on paper and paper is wood. And so it's heavy. 30 pounds to travel the world because you don't know what you may be called on to speak for or do. And then Steve Jobs shows up. And now I can put anything, everything at my fingertip and I never carry a briefcase. I got an iPad or a smartphone. Changed the world. And most people said nobody would have a need for it and it wouldn't work. How many of you got a smartphone? Well, case closed. Even the homeless have a smartphone, <laughs> right? So think about it. God took all kind of risks to reach you and to reach me. God stepped out on a limb. He knew it would mean his own life. But even God doesn't play it safe when he comes to saving you. He'll go anywhere, do anything, if we'll only respond to him. God had the guts so we could enjoy the glory. And last, number three, you have never tested the resources of God until you attempt something impossible with your limited knowledge, skill, or resources. So God doesn't want you or me to rely on our own resources alone. It's way too limiting for what he wants you to experience in life. He wants you and me to put our trust more in him than my own ability. When Robert Schuler wanted to build the Crystal Cathedral in California, this was 1977, he went to the greatest architect of his day, Philip Johnson. He asked him to design a cathedral made entirely of glass. Dr. Schuler described his vision to the architect and the architect said, Dr. Schuler, a cathedral of glass is impossible. Schuler's reply was to hand the architect his dictionary and say, Mr. Johnson, would you please look up the word impossible for me? And when he got to the page in Schuler's dictionary where impossible would be found, the word impossible was cut out. Schuler then quoted Jesus, all things are possible with God from Mark chapter 10 and the crystal cathedral 
was built and opened in 1980. There you go. Nobody gives you credit for anything that is outside of what's normal in your family, in your culture, in your racial background. They just will never say, great idea, go for it, we believe that, yeah. Never happens that way. They're always afraid. So when God told Moses to lead the people out of their slavery, Moses' first response was to say he couldn't do it. He said, but who am I to lead the people out of Pharaoh's slavery? But Moses was looking at his own resources, his own skill, when he asked that question. God's response was to say, well, that's all true, Moses, but I will be with you. That's what he's going to say to you. I will be with you. When you take this confrontation, when you take that risk, when you attempt something that's outside of your comfort zone, I will be with you. So God wants all of us to glorify him by attempting things we know in ourselves we're not capable of. And now I'm forced to rely on his power and his resources to get the job done. And you pray a lot. Now, some of you don't pray at all or you pray very little. And that's really because you're living safe. If you make a financial risk, I guarantee you, you'll pray. If, I don't even have to teach you. You don't need a seminar. You'll use a carrier pigeon to God, a smoke signal. You pray in English, Spanish, tongues, uh, whatever you can. You'll talk to God because you're terrified. If God doesn't come through, I'm sunk. That will improve your prayer life tremendously. But most of us don't go there. So it's really easy to get sloppy and complacent. But when you are faithful to God, you will attempt something that's outside of your comfort zone and you know you can't do it without God's help. I think too many have mistakenly turned Christianity upside down into belief. Christianity mainly is about avoiding the bad instead of taking a chance on the good. And that's what I've always hated. The church is always what it's against. Well, what are you for? What God challenging me to do? He wants to get the ball across the goal. I'm trying to sell that to the Cowboys, but he wants to get the ball across the goal. And he will use anything, stuff you don't like, people you don't like to get it done. So he's not intimidated by your inadequacy or your flaw or your problem. He wants to use you. And if you'll step up and take a chance, it's amazing what God can do through somebody least qualified. It, he chooses the weak, the foolish, the marginal, the outcast, the least qualified. When he chooses, he chooses from the back of the line, not the front of the line. David was the eighth born and the one most least likely to be chosen. And he chose him. He used people of a different culture, a different race. He used prostitutes. He used all kinds of people. What's your problem? He can use you. Okay, you're excited, I can tell. It's not about just avoiding bad. It's about taking a chance on the good. Somewhere along the line, and I'll finish here, the movement of Jesus Christ got civilized and domesticated. We created a religion using the name of Jesus, and we convinced ourselves that God's optimum plan for me was to insulate me in a spiritual bubble where I risk nothing, sacrifice nothing, love nothing, and worry about nothing. 
But Jesus' death wasn't to free me from dying, the fear of dying. It was to free me from the fear of dying. I don't have to be afraid of dying now. Somebody said, God isn't looking for great people, but for people willing to trust his greatness. You know, new oceans can't be discovered without the courage to lose sight of the shore. And to accomplish something great in life will require your courage to take a calculated risk. Risks that require us to place the full weight of our trust on God. Most people would rather not live a life so vulnerable. They prefer a more predictable life. Payday and sundown. But no guts, no glory. You will never get a miracle in your comfort zone. You will never know the power of God in a comfort zone. And our American trinity is comfort, pleasure, and success. And our biggest idol is safety. We are the most seat-belted, airbagged, bike-helmeted, knee-pad-wearing, hyper-insured, sunscreen-lathering, massively medicated, protected, and inoculated generation in world history. And all it's done is make us more afraid. Following Jesus is not safe, but it is the most meaningful and rewarding place to be. Somehow we have the idea that the meaning of being a Christian is God's going to keep me financially, emotionally, and physically safe. But that has way more to do with American culture than anything in the Bible about Jesus. So do you want your tombstone to read, at least nothing bad happened? Come on, guys. Rather than living a long life, am I willing to live a life worth living? So men... Where might we be playing safe? My marriage, my finances, my career, my faith. Let's become faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers who never insult God with small thinking or safe living. Let's take a risk for God, not for stupidity, but for God. And watch what God can do. He says, now unto him who can do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or all you think. And so we need to raise the bar in all of our lives a little bit. Just a little bit. Raise the bar and watch God match it every time. Would you bow your head with me? You've been so, such a great audience this morning. I just want to challenge you. Maybe you're facing a very difficult decision. And often we're just one difficult decision from a miracle or a breakthrough. It's scary. It takes courage. It's hard. But God will not do it for you, but he'll do it with you and give you grace to do it. So whether it's in business or relationships or marriage, a good question this morning. Have you ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Now, we're all religious people in here, but this is just a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you invited him into your life? Well, I'm afraid I, won't, I can't live the life. Nope, you can't, but he already did. So he invites you to enjoy the benefits of what he's already done for you when you accept him. The key is invite him into your heart. The other one is, 
Are you facing a problem that needs some courage, something you've been reluctant to do, but you know you should do it? And if that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. We're going to have a prayer team afterwards for other needs, maybe physical or something. But if you're facing a major decision and it's going to take courage to do it, it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be marriage, it could be business, it could be an investment, it could be in your giving in, your lo- in the local church, whatever it may be, face it. Face it down. Don't let fear beat you. Don't do it. God's going to uphold you. He's not going to forsake you. Could I just include you in my prayer? If that's you this morning, just slip a hand up and take it down. I'm, we, yeah, thank you guys. You've been, oh man, that's great. That's great. Who knows what can happen if you'll take the courage and take the next step. Just one step. That's all God says. Come on, just one step. Step towards me. I will preserve you. I will uphold you. I will not let you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of fear. I bind you cultural fear, uh, denominational fear, religious fear, financial fear, marital, relational fear. I bind you in the name of Jesus and rebuke you. Father, release courage that every man here is valuable in your sight, that you are for them and not against them, that you do not count their past against them. Through the blood of Jesus, they are cleansed, they are forgiven, and they are your precious child. Thank you, Lord, for laying your life down to redeem us. May we leave our comfort zones and step into a new dimension of living, fulfilling our full potential. May we encourage each other to do so in business, in marriage, with our kids, in our spiritual life. Help us be fully dedicated, fully devoted followers of our Savior and do some amazing things with some ordinary people, Lord. Bless these men. Bless their homes. Bless their families. Bless the work of their hands. May they prosper. May they be in health, even as their soul prospers. May the rich favor of God abide upon them in this coming week and this coming season as we approach summer. I pray that their lives can be totally transformed into enjoying something they never thought was possible, all because they took a step of faith into fear with courage. Bless them, sustain them, and favor them. I pray in Jesus' name, and all the guys shouted, amen and amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.